Hello, welcome to another Haiku Poet Podcast. We are doing Play-Doh Around the Table, and Dad is going to read some haiku. All right, so we reached out to Tracy Gallup, who is the illustrator for my first book of haiku poems, A Picture, A Poem, and A Dream. These are classic poems by Japanese haiku masters and translated by Esperanza Ramirez Christensen. So, Tracy, we are excited to read the book, comment on some of the beautiful artwork, and then we have an interview following the reading of the book. So we emailed Tracy some questions, and she responded back. So here's the first one. Quick, into the hazy sky. Quickly, quickly, the bird set free by Isa. I'll read it two times, once for the head and then once for the heart. So the ability to hear it and think about it and then the second time to be able to feel it. Quick, into the hazy sky. Quickly, quickly, the bird set free by Isa. You like that one, Eve? Yeah, I like that one. We've been seeing a lot of birds lately, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's springtime. Yeah. Yeah. So then at the end of the poem, down at the bottom of the page, we have some extra ideas or some words. In this poem, someone has released a bird from the cage and bids it fly swiftly away until it vanishes in the hazy spring sky. That way, it can't be caught again. But in the picture, the bird seems to have flown from a cage in a painting. How did this happen? Think, what does it mean to be free like the bird and free to imagine? I like that one. Check, I, I, I ch- check out the picture. Do you guys see how the bird was yeah. in the cage in the picture and the bird flew out of the picture, flew out of the painting? What do you think that might mean? Any ideas? Maybe it, it disappointment. Pro- it probably means that the bird wants to go outside and and flutter around. Cool. Any other ideas? I, I think it was probably a wild bird, and the bird didn't want to stay in the cage, so the person let it go. Cool. I think the the contemplative look in the child's eyes is pretty neat. So the child is outside of the picture and now the bird is outside of the picture too. All right, next one. And the red moon, to whom does that belong? Children? And it's a question mark by Isa. So he's wondering, and the red moon, to whom does that belong? Children? How would you answer the poet's question? Does the moon belong to anyone? No. You don't think so? Does it belong to everyone? No. Yes. What about the sea and the clouds and the stars and the poppy flower and the picture? How do you feel when you spend a lot of time looking at nature? How do you feel, Caleb? Good. Good. 
Do you feel connected to everything and everyone? Yes. Yeah. How would you describe that feeling? How do you how does it feel when you feel connected to everyone and everything? Pretty exciting, happy. Yeah. Lately you've been asking right after breakfast, can I go outside and ride my bike? And you've been zooming up and down the hills, haven't you? Yep. Yeah, it's been pretty it's a exciting. Bike, so it has um shocks, so it's um it's pretty fast. You can go down to one speed and it goes very fast. Yeah, one speed all the way up to eight speeds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys see the big red moon in this picture? Mm -hmm. Is it a true story? Is there a moon? Yes, but yeah. it, can there ever be like red moons? Because I, I don't think there ever can. There's one coming up. Um, they don't happen all that often, but they're special moons like super moons or blood red moons, harvest moons. And so we can hope that it's not too cloudy that day and then we can see it. Do you notice anything else when you look at the picture? Yes. What do you see? I can see a person, a person laying on grass, and I can see a plant going up, and it seems like the plant is up in the moon, because the moon is up in the air, and this is, and this looks like it's up in, in this um, heaven, and this looks, and the moon is up in heaven, so it looks like these are both the same. Cool. I'm noticing the little stars. I think they remind me of going outside on a starry night, and the child looks very peaceful. That's what I think, too. I like this picture. Before even reading the poem, I just notice it's like a mother, and then inside the mother, you can tell it's a baby that's unborn. Way off, way off. Right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's the haiku. On a journey, I'd have as my companion on the road a butterfly. On a journey, I'd have, as my companion on the road, a butterfly by Shiki. In the picture, the mom and the baby are on a journey to the time when the baby will come into the world. Together, they are getting ready for all the big adventures life will hold for them. Butterflies go on a journey when they are born too, don't they? Maybe that's why a butterfly makes a good traveling companion for a journey like this one. It's good to be with someone who understands. For the poet Shiki, the butterfly is a very understanding companion. It flutters alongside so he does not get lonely, stopping here and there to enjoy the beauty of the flowers instead of hurrying to arrive somewhere, because often the journey is just as important as the arrival, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the baby is kind. The baby is kind? No, no, baby. The baby is kind. Oh, crying? Yeah. Sometimes babies cry. What are they saying when they're crying? Hey, hi. They're saying hi to you? Mm-hmm. 
Why else do babies cry? Because they need because they need a lot of food, and they also need some some people around them. Sure. Some company. Sure. Some company. Maybe. Maybe they need a little change of scenery. Yeah, you like a change of scenery, don't you? So we've had a new baby enter our family, haven't we? What's her name? Lydia Ruth. Lydia Ruth. She's your little sister. Lydia Ruth Cleveland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's precious, isn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she's in dad and mom's bedroom. Yep, she's sleeping in dad and mom's bedroom right now. Grows up a tiny little bit, and she will sleep in in the gorgeous bedroom. That's gonna be exciting, isn't it? We'll get some bunk beds for you and Eve. Uh huh. Um, what? And then when 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 we have bunk beds, um, our, 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 the baby, our, our baby will sleep in in the gorgeous bedroom. I'm excited for that. So let me read this haiku one more time as we think about a brand new baby on a journey. On a journey, I'd have as my companion on the road, a butterfly. That's pretty neat. Next haiku. Rarely someone passes a withered leaf suddenly adrift. Here, there, by Isa. Rarely someone passes a withered leaf suddenly adrift. Here, there, by Isa. Withered leaves are what happens in the fall when the air turns cold and the days feel short. But what happens to fallen acorns when spring comes? They turn into new trees. What kind of tree? Oak tree. Nice. You like to gather up acorns, don't you? Because then we can make acorn flower, and then once we um, were going on oak trail, and we picked up a lot of acorns, and we made acorn um, pancakes. That's true. That was a fun day. Can you imagine the tree that grows from such a small acorn? Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're massive. So many wonderful things in nature start out very small and have to fall to the ground in order to grow. But the things that come from them are like little worlds, like one in this picture. So look at the picture. There's a small acorn, but what's inside of the acorn? A tree with a boy on it, reading a book. And he's sitting on a branch with a deer and grass. So inside the acorn, there's this picture. There's sun in the picture, too. Yep, and And then we can see, we know that the acorn is really quite small because, in comparison, there's an ant on the ground, and the ant is actually, it looks quite large. It's smaller than the acorn, but it's pretty big. So I like that idea that within something small, like an acorn, it's almost like there's a universe or a, a world full I'm of possibility. Play-Doh. I'm Play-Doh. You're using some yellow Play-Doh and you're using pink Play-Doh. All right, I have an, another haiku, but we're going to start this one off. Caleb... Tell us what you see in the picture. 
see a girl standing on a turtle and um, oak leaves that have fallen that are dead and a pretty little flower, trees, grass. Excellent. I'll read the haiku and we'll see how it might tie in with the picture. It crawls two or three feet. Then the day is done for the mud snail by Gomi. It crawls two or three feet. Then the day is done for the mud snail by Gomi. Do you see the snail? So does a snail go a long distance or just a short distance? Short, short distance. Gomi says just a few feet. Some of us just move slower than others. A road that is very short for you is very long for a snail or a turtle. Time passes differently for different beings, including us. How long does it take for wild grass to bear a flower. It takes, it takes a, a little while. It takes a little while. It takes a, like maybe a few months. Like I'd maybe. say that's a good guess. For leaves to sprout, for leaves to sprout, wither and fall. So how long does it take for leaves to sprout, wither uh, and fall? A pretty, a pretty long time. Like how long? Like two months. So two months for the sprouting, and then how about for the growing? So Probably sprout. about two years. Well, think about a leaf. So it's going to sprout in the spring. Yep. And then it's going to grow over the summer. One month? Well, okay. summer's a little short in Minnesota, but it's a few months. And then when does it fall? Fall. In the autumn, in fall, right? Yeah. So... Maybe half a year for a sprouting, a withering, and a falling. For the girl to grow too big to ride on the turtle. So right now, she can stand on the turtle's back and he can walk around. When she gets much bigger, how long will it take until you're adults? It'll take me, uh, an, like, t- ten years. So you're... Because I'm eight. You're eight. So it'll be... Exactly 10 years. To be 18. My years would be probably like maybe, um, maybe, uh, I would say maybe like 15 years. That's a good guess. Yeah, that's a good guess. Sure, you're a six year old right now. So are you an adult yet? So it would take me 12 years to get 18. All right. Because Jacob's two, year, um, two years older than me. Sure. Good, good math. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and yet all of these beings that move and grow at different paces live side by side and share the same space. space. Mm-hmm. I really like in this picture the, how the emphasis... Your eyes are drawn towards the oak leaves and the turtle. But if you look way in the distance, do you notice that light, the shimmering light? It makes me want to go exploring in this woods. It's like calling you beyond, calling you to the next place. And our next haiku, here, come here, I call. 
but the butterflies blithely go their way. Anisura. Let me read that again. Here, come here, I call, but the butterflies blithely go their way. Anisura. The haiku in the picture are both about fireflies, but in the picture, it's the imagination that has its way. Have you ever wanted to catch fireflies on a summer night? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, when Hannah and Eli were here, I actually um, catched them fireflies. You, you caught a jar full of them and put them on your bedside, didn't you? So we could see it yeah. while we're going to bed. Then you can imagine how nice it would be if they were unable to fly away just for a little while. So you can enjoy their flickering lights and share their space. Just you, the night sky, and the fireflies. Until the jar is opened and out they fly. I think we let them go the next morning. Yeah. So that then they could... I thought we kept them for a little while. Maybe for two days and then let them go again. Because if you let them stay for that while, they'll probably die. Probably. I like how it's a crescent moon in here. And they might go go down uh, that that floor. Yeah. Oh, look at the picture. Look at this picture. Inside the girl is the sun and the clouds and a swan. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and, and it's a baby. Right here is the, the child. Let me read the haiku. The colors of the dawning sky, a change to a whole new garment by Isa. The colors of the dawning sky, a change to a whole new garment by Isa. When night becomes day or winter becomes spring, does it ever seem to you that nature is changing its clothes? The same way that we change ours? Have you ever thought about that? No. In Isa's day, Japanese people celebrated the coming of summer by putting on new white garments. That's neat. Mm -hmm. In this picture, the girl's white nightgown reflects the rose and gold colors of the sky when the sun comes up and night becomes morning. It's as if both she and nature are wearing a whole new garment. So, yeah, like the child and nature are both putting on brand new clothes. All right. This is the picture on the front of the book. So I could show you this picture. Or I could close the book and show you the front cover. Eve, what is the child sitting on? On a cat. On a cat. The cat has pretty nice, happy-looking eyes. Caleb, what's below the cat? Way below. Do you know what that is? It is a person sleeping. So up on top is a person sleeping, but what's below the cat? A teeny bed, so it's almost like floating way above the bed. Let's see what the haiku is. 
The year's first dream, a secret I spoke to no one, smiling to myself by Shao. The year's first dream, a secret I spoke to no one, smiling to myself, Shao. In some countries like Japan, it's believed that the first dream of the new year is important because it tells you what the year holds for you. This boy's dream was a happy one. Why do you think he would want to keep it a secret? Because he didn't want anyone to maybe steal his dream or someone to tell. Maybe. Do you have any happy secrets? Some happy um, secrets. Do you want to tell us your secrets or do you want to keep them a secret? I'm going to keep them a secret. Okay. I have have some happy secrets too. I have some happy secrets. Could you keep it a secret? I'll keep it a secret, but I'll give you a clue. Okay. It has to do with next Christmas. Mmm. And presents. (laughs) It's not a dream. That's a secret. I like to kind of think about what I might want to get for you and what would be useful in the cold weather. Mm. Maybe a shovel, maybe a sled, a hat. Oh, cool. We did some working with tools this morning, didn't we? Yeah, and we did right by the fire, and we and we come inside, and what did then we, what did we eat by the fire? It's peanut. Yeah, we cracked the peanuts and threw yeah. the shells in the fire. Yeah. I'm gonna finish the rest of these words. Okay. Do you have any dreams that go on in your imagination after you wake up? Yeah. Yes. Oh. I got some. You have some dreams? Cool. And, and we, and I had dreams about, about, um, about we, uh, no, I, um, when I come out here, we, we just lay on the couch. You just laid on the couch yeah, when you woke we, up? Yeah, uh, because we were told, because we were cold. Oh. All right, this next picture is beautiful. It's, it's kind of a foggy, misty-looking day, and there's a girl... And then behind one of the trees is a fox, a red fox. And the haiku is, When I looked back, the one I just met on the road vanished in the mist by Shiki. When I looked back, the one I just met on the road vanished in the mist. By Shiki. In this haiku, there is a feeling of mystery and maybe also of loneliness. The girl's companion has gone his own way.
Sometimes journeys are like that. We meet new people, but we part company. Do you think the fox is the lost companion? Maybe. Maybe. Or do you think that the fox is a companion that the girl will soon meet? A friend who might share the road with her all the way. It's hard to say. We had a fox in our neighborhood recently, didn't we? Yeah, a red fox. A red fox. It was a mom. And how many babies did she have? Three. Three baby kits, right? And they made a den in our neighbor's lawn. So she dug out a hole and had her babies. And now she's raising her babies right there. Pretty cool. There's the fox in this picture. And the mama had some babies just over there. Not too far away. A little far away. A little far away. Here's the next haiku. Get, get me that moon, says the child. In tears, by Isa. Get me that moon, says the child, in tears, by Isa. Do you know the saying, like crying for the moon? Have you ever heard that? No. Like crying for the moon. It means that sometimes the things we want most are things that are beyond our reach. But in the picture, the boy gets his wish even if it's only in his imagination. How happy he looks with the moon in his hands flying across the night sky. You see that? The boy wanted the moon, Mm -hmm. and he was able to go way up into the sky and get the moon. And you can kind of tell it's in his imagination because everything else is very defined, right? The house has color, the owl, the tree, the moon. But then he's a little bit fuzzy, which kind of shows you it might be he's dreaming or he's wishing that he was up there. Next haiku. A distant sail under the burning sky. A sail in my heart. By Sheshe. A distant sail under the burning sky. A sail in my heart. I say she. Why do you think the poet likens a sail on the sea to a sail in his heart? Any ideas? Probably imagining um he's he's probably imagining when he's sleeping. Maybe. Is the boat carrying away someone he loves? Maybe. Is the sail in his heart? A wish to go to other places and be with people that he misses? Maybe. Or maybe the sail in his heart is longing for freedom. Sometimes the things we see remind us of other things. People that we love, places we want to visit, things we want to do. In the picture, the sea and the sail are all that the eye is seeing. What thoughts do you think may be going on behind the eye? Any ideas? Maybe the sky. I think that's maybe what the eye might, the author might have missed. That about the picture. Well, they asked the question, right? They said, what else do you think? Can I see? He's thinking. 
So maybe if that's his friend in the boat, maybe he's thinking, I'd like to go to that boat. I'd like to be in the boat with them. Or like we just got a fishing license for this upcoming fishing season. So if you were really into fishing, maybe you'd see the water in the sail and you'd think, ooh, if I cast a line, maybe I could catch some fish. Or... But that's not true because you're just imagining it. Well, it is imagining, but that's how all good things start, right? You have to have a dream. Here's our next haiku, but Cosette, check out this picture. What is the picture of? Do you see the red flowers? Well, on that front, there's that same picture, and there's that same the haiku now that we have that description of the picture just being alive the poppy flower and i by isa just being alive the poppy flower and i by isa this poem and picture are about celebrating the joy of the moment about finding happiness in just being here do you feel happy just being here working on Play-Doh and listening to haiku? Yeah. Jacob does. Do you feel happy, Eve? Yeah. Good. I feel very happy. It also reminds us that we can't really appreciate the world until we learn to appreciate the little things in it, like a poppy. Looking at this picture, do you think that the poppy is as big as the girl? Or is the girl as small as the poppy? The flower is smaller than the girl. So in real life, flowers are smaller than people. Yeah. But in the picture, the flower is way bigger than the girl. So listen to how the, the author asked the question. Is the poppy as big? So do you think that the poppy is as big as the girl? No. So is the flower really big, or is the girl really small? The girl's the girl is very small. So then she fits into the flower. Yeah. You think so? Okay. Next haiku. It seems to like being pillowed on my arm, the hazy moon, by Busan. It seems to like being pillowed on my arm, the hazy moon. Did you ever rest your head on your arm, on the arm of someone you love? Did you ever fall asleep leaning up to somebody? Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. In this haiku, moonlight is resting on the poet's arm like the head of a loved one, happy and content to be resting there. In the picture... It's as if the moon really likes the girl, 
lighting up her long hair and flower-patterned pajamas in the dark. That's pretty cool. I hadn't noticed, but you can see the light on the girl's long hair. That's neat. There's a little bit. A little bit of moonlight. Yeah, it's pretty, isn't it? Next haiku, along the rocky shore, sighing, the waves break, sighing, by Isa. Along the rocky shore, sighing, the waves break, sighing, by Isa. Did anyone ever tell you that if you hold a conch shell to your ear, you can hear the sound of the ocean? Yes. Yeah. See this big shell in the picture? Oh, yeah. That's a conch shell. So the boy is, um, is small enough to go in the conch shell and hear the waves. How can you actually hear the waves in a conch shell? So you're really hearing your, your blood moving, like your heart beating and... But when you hold that shell up, it's as if you can hear the conch shell. Sometimes when we listen to waves or creeks or fountains, it's like the water is sighing or laughing or singing. And when we are listening very carefully, it can feel as if we are all alone. Can you turn off the timer? Our pizza's done. It can feel as if we are all alone with these wonderful sounds. In the picture... Being inside the shell is like being alone with the ocean size. All right. So we'll eat lunch and then we'll come back and we'll finish up the rest of our haiku. Okay? We're back after our pizza party lunch and we are... Feeding the bird. Cosette, what are you feeding to Raz? Lettuce. Lettuce. Raz is a green parakeet, and you're feeding some green lettuce. And we've got another haiku. It looked too heavy, the water bird. It floated off anyway on its surah. It looked too heavy, the water bird. It floated off anyway on its surah. I'll show you the picture. Somebody's hands holding a water scene. So it, what a swan does, boat. What does the last word mean? Uh, that's the author. Oh. Yes. So if you had a poem that you came up with, and then I would say, Elliot. <laughs> All right, here are the thoughts about that haiku. A water bird is made for water. That's why it can float, even when it seems too heavy. The bird understands the water, and the water understands the bird. The world is put together in a wonderful way. Even though we may not understand everything about it, we are put together in a wonderful way too. And each of us is unique. I sure see that with each of you kids, and it will be fun to see who Lydia grows up to become. 
because each person has their own style, their own personality, their own way of approaching life, different strengths and different weaknesses. Next haiku, clouds now and then give them a chance to rest, moon viewing. Clouds now and then give them a chance to rest, moon viewing by Basho. In Japan, the full moon of the fall season is thought to be the most beautiful of all the year, and people come together to view it until late in the night. Here, Basho jokes that the people can give their craning necks a break when the cloud hides the moon. He uses humor to tell us how much people are willing to endure, to gaze at this perfect moon. In the picture, the girl takes her joy and her imagination even further. She dreams she has been carried to the moon itself. She and the moon are flying on a cloud across the sky. How far will your imagination take you? It's a pretty picture, isn't it? Yeah, there's kind of a bird around the moon. I really like Basho. Basho is very good, isn't he? One of the most well-known haiku in the world. That is a very common one. And here's another picture with a bird in it. We won't comment on it. We'll just look at all those black birds in the shape of a bird, and I'll read the haiku. The morning breeze and skylarks all together soaring in a perfect line. Ryota. The morning breeze and skylarks all together soaring in a perfect line. Ryota. Although the picture does not show the birds flying in a single line, it does show them working together. They are so focused on helping each other ride the wind safely It's as if they form one big bird. What can we learn from the birds and other creatures of nature? Lots of lots of cool things. One thing I think of is the honeybees, how they all work together as one unit to build comb, care for the babies, and then go out and collect nectar and pollen. Yeah. Sure, so you like working with people, kind of partnering. Neat. Yeah, because then you can go a lot quicker. Sure. All right, next haiku. Whose lamp yet burns unsleeping this night of cold driving rain? Rayota. Whose lamp yet burns unsleeping this night of cold driving rain? Rayota. Sometimes we all feel wide awake long after we should be asleep. What keeps us up, do you think? Probably if you have a bird, if it keeps you, that would keep you up. Sure. Or if there's a light on, that would keep you up. Sometimes we're too excited or too wound up to go to sleep. 
Other times we might be worried or frightened or sad. Why do you think the girl in this picture is awake? And what is she thinking as she watches the moths flying in the rain outside her window? Because I can see a light right here. I can see a light, so that's keeping her up. Sure. And then there's a moth on the window. Yeah. Caleb, when you see this picture, does it seem silly, like kind of wild, like being at a park, or kind of contemplative, peaceful, or sad, or what's the feeling that you get when you... I'm kind of thinking, like, cheerful. Okay. And, um, like, kind of focused and really studying the... There, um, a really pretty moth. Yeah. The moth that she has her hand up next to through the glass is beautiful. There's one that is brown, gray, and white, and brown. Mm -hmm. So... I would say this one has more colors. Sure. Yeah, it has a lot more colors. All right, next picture has a bunny rabbit and a child, and they're kind of snuggled together, and they're under a glass globe. Let's see what it says. Getting warm and snug and folded within the snow, my domicile by Isa. Getting warm and snug and folded within the snow, my domicile, Isa. Do you feel warm, cozy when it's snowy outside? Do you feel warm and cozy yes, when it? Yes, I think I do. Sometimes I do if I have like a snowsuit on. Um, um, but I can see they don't have a snowsuit on. Sure, so but that's like their home. Yeah, that's kind of like their dome. Domicile is a fancy way of saying house. By choosing that word, Isa was suggesting that his little house was like a castle to him, and he was its lord. Warm and snug in his house, he watches the cold, beautiful snow falling outside. His house is snug in this snow, just as he is snug in his little house. In this picture, a boy and a bunny are snuggled together, warm and peaceful. Their little house keeps them safe, but lets them feel part of all the beautiful wintry world around them. Next haiku. As an added delight, how cool blows the breeze sleeping among the stars. As an added delight, how cool blows the breeze Sleeping Among the Stars by Isa. The poem suggests that the poet has just had a lovely evening, maybe with a friend. Afterward, he is dozing outdoors, enjoying the light summer breeze, almost like a sweet dessert after a wonderful dinner. Maybe the poem is his way of saying thank you to his friend. In the picture, The children are enjoying the feeling of sleeping among the stars, floating in the sky with their dreams and their cat, or lying awake, chatting together in the fresh night breeze. And maybe they are thankful, too. Isn't that neat? There's some sleeping kids. And then there's some big, big, big kids talking. And they're actually playing fun war. Oh. Do you like playing a thumb war? This last part is a haiku by you. 
look at all the elements in this picture. So if you guys see this picture of the girl in the red dress, there is a girl, there's a bird flying by, there's a book, a doll, a ball, a dark room with a splash of light coming through the open door. What do they make you think of? And how do they make you feel? What kind of haiku can you write using some or all of the things you see here? Why not write one on this page? Well, this is a library book, so we better not write it. Raz, our bird, says, no, don't write in the library book. Yeah, and I think... But we could write it on a little scrap of paper. Yeah, I think when the bird is right there flying through and that little girl on that book is laying, mm-hmm. I think of these books um, laying on the floor, all of them laying on the floor, and then a bird is coming across through and then a little girl is in the middle of all of the books. So we all have lots of different things that we could share about the picture. Does anyone want to try a haiku? So just a real short... Short. I have a haiku. Okay. The girl um, opening the door. The girl opening the door. The bird crossing through the sky. I like it. The girl opening the door, the bird crossing through the sky. I got one. Okay. Um, the girl opening up the door, the ball, the, I mean the book, the blue book laying on the floor, the ball rolling. Mmm, cool. In in tie the house and I saw a girl going right there. Yeah, she's yeah. thinking about going outside maybe. Yeah. Jacob, do you have one? Well it looks like the girl just played maybe dolls and is ready to go outside. I think that's kind of cool, but... Do you have a haiku? Oh, I'm kind of pondering on it. I don't really know one quite yet. Okay. It, it might be a little bit, but I do notice some green grass. Ah, so that's your seasonal reference. Uh-huh. Nice. How about you, Caleb? I have a haiku. The blue sky, the green grass. The dolly chair. Cool. The blue sky, the green grass, the dolly chair. Cool. Thanks for sharing it. Um, I don't. I think I might be like Jacob. I might have to think about this one for a while. But one of the neat things with haiku, you don't have to write it the minute that you see it. You can take a picture. You can jot down some ideas. You can uh, ponder you it. Can ponder it. Uh, yeah. you, can, uh, you can look at the book um, if, if you don't remember it. That's true. Then here the author says, um, what kind of haiku can you write using some or all of the things you see here? Why not write one of, on this page? See if you can write it in three lines with five syllables in the first and third and seven in the second, just like the original Japanese haiku were written. And so, uh, so many people are taught to do 
the 575 for syllables. And it's not bad to do that, but what we've learned as we've studied is that you're not locked into hafting to do that. It's okay to do uh, shorter and maybe 12 to 15 syllables is maybe a even a closer approximation to what the Japanese sound syllables would be. So it's kind of interesting how there's different things. And then the book continues on with how there are many different things that influence writers and poets and artists. The poets in this book came from different parts of Japan and were born generations and sometimes even centuries apart from one another. They came from different social classes, whether samurai, farmer, tradesmen. Some lived during times of war. Most traveled to different parts of Japan. All of the things that these poets' lives shaped their view in the world And that is something that has always been true of all of us. Earlier generations of poets influenced later generations, and the poets in the same generation also influenced one another. They also wrote together through a form of poetry called Haikai no Renga, or simply Haikai. In this form, a group of poets write verses that link to each other. It is part of a game, part group effort, The end result is one long poem. The form of poetry called haiku was at first only the opening verse of these longer poems. Later, it became a form in its own right. Some of those poets also wrote diaries of their lives and travel essays, travels and essays, and other form of classical poem called tanka. There is so much to learn about each of them. That's true. I've read some of Basho's travel journals, and those are very interesting. Here is just a little bit about the lives and work of the poets in this book. So, starting off with, Basho is the best known of all the poets whose haiku appear in this book, and most of these poets were influenced by his work. He lived during a time called the Edo period, which was from the 1600 to 1868. In these years, Japan largely closed itself off from visitors and travel abroad and depended on itself for everything, including poetry. It was a time when writers and artists were inspired by the beauty of their own country, its nature, and its people. Basho is famous for composing linked verses, with his followers and friends. It is a form of poetry he especially loved. He is also famous for making long walking journeys through the countryside while composing poems and for long periods of remaining alone. Between the two, he had the chance to observe nature and spend time in quiet thought. Those two things came together to help him write some of the best haiku in Japanese history. Busan, from 1716 to 1784, was yet another great poet of the Edo period. He was famous for being both a painter and a poet, and he used his poems to describe the things he saw. He loved the art and the poetry of China. He also loved the work of Basho and drew illustrations for Basho's best-known travel journal. After traveling in many parts of Japan to develop his arts, 
he settled down to live and teach in the city of Kyoto. Gome, from 1731 to 1803, lived in the time of Busan and Isa, though he is not as well known today as for other poets of this book, he was popular during his time, becoming known as one of the four diva kings of Haiku or Haikai in the north, and is said to have been a great teacher of poetry. His poems are included in Isa's verse collection, Farewell Hat, from 1798. Then there's Isa, from 1763 to 1828. He wrote many of the poems that appear in this book. He, Basho, and Busan are known as the three great leaders in Haikai. He suffered many losses in his first half of life, and his sadness is reflected in some of his verses. Isa wrote over 20,000 poems. I love that. So many. While some of them are indeed sad, others are about the pleasures of nature and observing children. Isa, whose name means cup of tea, is known for his verse about small things like fireflies and frogs and flowers. His poems have been popular through the years because of their gentleness, their humor, and the simple way that they capture everyday things and moments. And then we have Onitsura from 1661 to 1738, showed a talent for poetry even when he was a child. It is said that he wrote the verse, Here, come here, I call, but the fireflies blithely go their way, which is included in this book, when he was only eight. Although born to a wealthy family, he devoted himself to poetry and philosophy. He believed that haiku should reflect everyday things and ordinary life, and that it should be sincere and truthful and speak to our hearts. Later in his life, Onitsura focused on his practice of Zen Buddhism. Next poet, Ryoto, from 1718 to 1787, was one of Basho's greatest followers. He imitated Basho's travels and collected the poems Basho had written during his long journey through the north. A poet of great energy and talent, he is said to have produced some 200 books of poetry himself and others and taught about 2,000 students. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of haiku. A ton of haiku. And then Shiki from 1867 to 1902 lived in the Meiji era from 1868 to 1926. There's a lot of dates here and there's a lot of places, which is, it ties in with the idea of history. And you guys have been enjoying reading some books from the library on different times in history, haven't you? Yeah, so this makes me think each of these dates and the different periods, different eras, they are like an invitation to us to be explorers and to learn more about each of these times. Okay, so there's the Meiji era, and it was a time when Japan opened its doors to the world again and quickly learned about Western culture and technology. Shiki felt that Japan's poetic tradition was too simple for a nation that was rapidly changing and created a new style of haiku called 
copying from life, writing about what one is seeing in the present moment instead of relying on learning and tradition. Shiki came from a samurai family and always remained interested in his country's politics. He even traveled to China to report on the war. He died young from a long illness, but in his short life he had written some 18,000 haiku. That's a lot of haiku. And then there's Sheshi, who lived from 1901 to 1994. He studied at Tokyo University and worked for a big company. He was known for poems that included elements of modern life, like blast furnaces, trains, and sports. Maybe he's in the baseball haiku that was compiled by Cor Vandenhuvel. His best haiku are about those moments when the natural world meets the world of people and the things they have made. They are poems that bring traditional haiku and its love of nature together with the modern world. And then, Sosu or Shou from 1859 to 1943 was a poet of the Meiji era and an acquaintance of Shiki, though not as well known. A lot of his work was devoted to writing about haiku, linked verses, and rules for holding writing sessions through the ages. By doing this and by collecting the writing of other poets, he explained the world of older generations of haiku masters to preserve their styles and themes for his own and future generations. And then there's a note to parents and teachers from the translator. How did the book come about? Well, my neighbor, Tracy Gallup, is a writer and illustrator of children's books and has an affinity for haiku. She showed me some of her paintings side by side with related haiku poems by Japanese master poets such as Busan, Isa, and others in the early modern period and said that she had been keenly struck by how closely the poems expressed or evoked some of the paintings she had done earlier without knowing that the kindred Japanese poems existed. She showed me the pairings that had struck her, and indeed, the mutual resonance between them was striking. She asked me if I would do new translations of the poems in place of the old ones by R.H. Blythe. In the process, I discovered that the nature of the connection between the haiku and Tracy's paintings was very much like the links from one verse to the next in the collective Japanese poetry sequence called Renga, or linked poetry. In this collaborative genre, each successive verse is composed by a different poet, and although there are rules for the composing of sequence, there is no predetermined topic, and the verses are all composed on the spot. Renga is a performance like a jazz session. Each poet is harmonizing with the other while at the same time altering the other's composition in the process of shaping his or her own part. This sort of harmonizing transforms rather than repeats. The poet reads the preceding verse and responds to it by continuing the story, by putting it in a different context, 
creating contrast and intensifying the other's message, carrying the story forward. The haiku can be read and appreciated on its own, of course, and the same goes for the pictures. But isn't it fascinating to see each one juxtaposed against the other and think what results? To look at the similarities and differences between the two and sense how they are communicating with one another, even though they were created in vastly different times and places. To see how the dots connected through time, places, and culture, it is, is that not a marvelous thing? I think it is. It is a way of discovering and broadening the imagination from early on, not just through the links between poems and pictures, through the minds and the hearts that dwell in them. We also see the bigger picture, the universal patterns of relation between human beings and their natural environment, between time and the various motions of plant and animal and human lives that resonate with one another in our world. Everything is connected. Haiku and painting are two simple ways of sharing and celebrating that truth with children. As you embark on this artistic and poetic adventure with your children, I would like to share with you part of the 1468 Renga session among samurai warriors and Buddhist monks about the pleasures of encounter even amongst strangers amidst the beauty of springtime and our need for the kind of awareness that poetry and art ignite and express. Here in the shadow of the trees, the first snow patches have yet to dissolve. Yet sweet in the morning dew, as one by one, plum blossoms unfurl. Ah, the spring meadows, even the sleeves of strangers brushing each other. On the bay, overhung with haze, boats seen gliding to and fro. For the man devoid of feeling, the dimming evening holds nothing. So that's the Renga. And a word from the artist. Poets and artists often think alight. Haiku especially is similar to visual image because it often represents a single moment. Finding poems that align with my paintings has been a revelation to realize I have shared the same thoughts with people from distant times and places makes me feel like a time traveler. How magical to meet a soulmate through words with a man like Isa, born in 1763 in Japan. In this 21st century, I look at the same moon as he did and I imagine. Classical, so this is a note, classic haiku, including the ones in this book, have been translated many times by generations of scholars, and each translation is unique, resulting in different interpretations of the poem's meaning. We encourage you to explore books and websites that offer different translations of haiku masters' work. The key to any enduring poem is how it connects with those who read it. And we think you'll find that these poems continue to resonate regardless of when and where they were written and how translators have interpreted them over the years. We hope these poems will be just the beginning of children's exploration of haiku 
at its roots and will help foster in them a love of poetry and an appreciation of its power to connect us with nature and with one another and with ourselves. So that is the full book, My First Book Haiku Poems. Such a neat book. So now we've got an interview that we emailed some questions to Tracy, the illustrator for this book. We asked, how did you get introduced to haiku? And Tracy says, when our daughter was around six or seven years old, a friend of mine gave her a poetry book titled Till All the Stars Have Fallen, selected by David Booth and illustrated by Katie McDonald Denton. Before this time, I thought I didn't like poetry. That's amazing. Then after reading the poems in this book, I thought maybe I only enjoyed poems written for children. Until on my mother's bookshelf, I discovered the book Poem a Day, Volume 1, 366 poems, old and new, one for each day of the year by Karen McCoster. She's the editor. And Nicholas Albury, the editor. I was hooked and I purchased volumes two and three and wished for volume four that never appeared. That's when I discovered haiku as well. Next question. What does your haiku writing, reading process look like? Tracy responds. Some years ago, I began dabbling in writing poetry myself and did a series of paintings to illustrate my own poems. My by-then-grown daughter, who majored in creative writing and literature in college, gently told me that my words were not working with the images, and maybe I should pair the paintings with haiku poetry. So I poured through haiku poetry books and was amazed to find poems that aligned with my paintings. People like Isa from the 18th century in Japan had the same thoughts as me. He expressed them with words, and I expressed them with paint. We both looked at the same moon and had the same thought. So I found enough classic Japanese haiku to accompany all my already completed paintings. After that, friends in my critique group felt that I would have a problem getting the book published because of the translation copyrights to all the Japanese poetry. My lucky star took care of this problem when I remembered that our neighbor, Esperanza Ramirez Christensen, taught Japanese literature at the University of Michigan. I asked her if she would write new translations for the book project. She did, and her talent and knowledge added another valuable dimension to the book with her fresh translations, thoughtful commentary, and scholarly biographies of each of the poets. Next question, what is a haiku moment you've encountered today? Tracy says, my haiku moment today was listening to this delightful podcast. That's nice, because we sent her a link for our Bob Rotska gaiku recording that we did so that she could have an idea of what our, our episode might be like. And the last question is, can you describe the link between the word and the visual art? Which comes first for you? Feel free to elaborate on the process or describe the details of your studio or if you like to work outdoors. Tracy responds, poets and artists often think alike. 
haiku especially is similar to the visual image because it often represents a single moment. I think the fact that the poems and paintings in my first book of haiku poems were paired after they were completed independently made their dance together more interesting than if I had read a poem and then set out to illustrate it. And I would agree, Tracy. I think that's an, a really neat detail that you painted the pictures and paired them with haiku after the fact. You didn't set out to do something more contrived. It was uh, experiences and imaginations that you had had. So the last thing, we just want to encourage our listeners, check out this show notes because we'll have a link to Tracy Gallup's webpage where you can see some of her other work, her artwork, and where you can also see a link to the book. You can buy it or check it out from your local library like we did. We love the library. We just went there this week and we read books and we got a huge stack of kids' books. And Jacob, you have really been enjoying those books, haven't you? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You came home and piled up the books on your left side and then you just started reading them. And when you got done, you put them on the right side. And how many books ended up over on the right side? Almost all of them. Wow. You read for a couple hours, didn't you? Uh Reading is so great. Let's ask Caleb. Caleb, did you get a fun book at the library? Uh, Yeah, I got the Berenstain Bears. It's a fun character movie and book. Um, But I'm reading a chapter book. It's not from the um, library. What's it called? It's Beverly, Cleary, Henry, and Beezus. And um, uh, the next chapter, I'm on a chapter, but the next chapter is... um, uh, the boy who ate dog food. So, oh, boy, so that's he- funny. So Henry's going to eat dog food. Oh, my. That sounds like it could become I, a haiku. How about you, Cosette? I have been reading the books upstairs, not like chapter books. Like Just kids' he, books. Caleb and, and Jacob are reading. I have not been like reading long books. I have been like reading short books. Well, that's because you're a, a younger kid, right? Yeah, and How about you, Eve? Are you having fun reading books? We go to the library and we didn't see kids, but we see um free kids. And lots of librarians, right? Yep. And, yep. And, Good to see them. And we and we see uh, and we got Tickers. Stickers and bookmarks, right? Yeah. Okay, last thing for the episode. Let's get some millet seed, and we'll see if Raz wants to eat a little millet. Can I'll you? get that. Okay. Can I see him? All right, so lifting up the door, and then you can put the millet in there. Razzie is eating a snack. Oh, yeah. Can you say bye? Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the Haiku bye. Poet Podcast. I, I Again. Okay, you want to do it again? Yeah. All right.